With 25% off all new and up to 70% off previously leased furnishings, do you really need a better reason to party? We don't think so. Come visit our new Court Furniture Clearance Center with more than 9,000 square feet of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home and office. Sofas from $199.99, bedroom sets from $399.99, dining sets from $299.99, and more. Free food, prizes, and fun all weekend long at our Chandelier Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Welcome to the Monkeys Fighting Robots podcast with Matthew Sardo. Take your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty ass. <laughs> Holy sh! They're actually monkeys fighting robots! You can follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots and on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. Make sure to download and review our podcast from iTunes and Stitcher. And now, here's your host, Matt. Welcome to the 109th episode of Monkey Sweating with Robots. Today's episode is going to be optimistic. Optimistic, Matt. Where are you coming from with that one? EJ and I are talking about the 2017 movie slate. Finally talking about it. I feel like all I've been doing is talking about 2016 with Golden Globes and Oscars and all that other crazy stuff. But I'm ready to dig into the dirt of 2017 and all the goodness that it holds. I'm your host, Matthew Sardo. I'm also the co-founder of MonkeySpendingRobots.com. Joining me in the banter is my co-host, movie critic, EJ Marino. Matt, I'm not on your anti-2016 bandwagon. I didn't think it was that horrible. Look, Arrival came out of 2016, and I will place that in my top, like, 15 favorite movies of all time. Even the top 10. I really think that movie's flawless and gorgeous. So I'm not on your 2016 bandwagon. You got one movie last year. You got one movie. That slate was... Uh, and Batman v Superman, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm not allowed to talk about that movie anymore ever. <laughs> so I wasn't going to mention it, but no, no, I do get some great movies. I think, but I I think am, we're going to put was, a moratorium on the word Batman v Superman. And if you want to say Batman v Superman, you have to say the word Bukaki. <laughs> I, I will I will I will replace that now. That's perfect. I think that is great. I will throw in a bukkake now for that Batman and Superman I said earlier. But no, I, I will agree with you. After all of this 2016 talk, let's talk about the new movies coming out. We're already almost kind of in February, and that's going to be some great – oh, we are in February now, actually. So, yeah, we have some great movies ahead of us for the rest of the year. Yeah, Split came out. That was like a surprise of the year. Next week we have – Lego Batman and we have John Wick 2, two films that are one's going to make me cringe because I think it's going to be the best Batman movie ever and that's going to annoy the shit out of me. And then John Wick 2, I'm hoping that it's good. There's always a potential of it sucking, but it's going to be good. I feel like John Wick is the Batman movies I've always wanted as well. Like Batman with a gun. It's just like the stuff he does and how bad he ass he is and his whole persona. I love the John Wick character. I can't wait to see him again. Just don't uh, kill so he, the dog. Don't kill the dog this time. I, you know what's so funny? That, that was such a good way of pissing people off. But I will say what a good motive for like a 2000 something action movie is like dog's dead. This is how I kill people now. Like it, it was a good motive. I had to wait forever to see John Wick because I knew that they killed the dog. Like I couldn't just go to it and be like, ah, uh, cause I knew that the dog was going to die. And I, I, I think I waited till like the last week it was in the theater. I was like, I gotta see this in the theater. And then once they kill the dog, I'm like, kill everyone, every last one of those fuckers, like just take them out. Like I was just like, kill them all. I will say to make us both feel better, I did see in the new trailer his house is blowing up and it looks like his dog was on this like right next to him as it was happening. So so we might get an alive dog this time and I'm happy for that. 
Okay, so John Wick and Lego Batman are two films that we're excited about. But if we look at the whole rest of the year, what films are popping out to you that you're like, I'm super stoked for so far? You know, I'm not going to talk about the movie that should not be named, but it was part of DC's super polarizing 2016. So I'm really, really excited for Wonder Woman and Justice League this year. This is hopefully DC's comeback. Fingers crossed. Probably not because it's still Zack Snyder. But no, I'm really, really excited. Wonder Woman is Patty Jenkins directing a Wonder Woman movie. She did Monster, which is one of my favorite, favorite movies. I can't wait to see what she does with that war epic. Justice League is more Zack Snyder schlock, and I will watch Zack Snyder movies until he's done making them because I think they're over the top and ridiculous. This looks like one of his movies. Wonder Woman, I don't know how you can not be excited about this film. And there's there's Nazis in it, right? Aren't we going to be punching Nazis? Yeah, but thankfully it's not World War II. It's a little bit earlier Nazis and more of just kind of evil dictator. And I think it's World War One this time. Right. So that's what I think is going to be it, – it's separating from Captain America, which is good. But yeah, so no, we're getting evil bad guys that we need to punch in the face because they're douchebag dictators. I think we need that right now. Yeah, no, this is, this, this is momentum building for us. A powerful female kicking the shit out of douchebag dictators that want to take over the world. Wonder Woman is going to be like our anthem for 2017. I'm really excited about it. Justice League. How can you not be excited about Justice League? I know that Zack Snyder has done a lot of weird shit with the other universe, but like you get the Flash, you get Cyborg, you get Aquaman, you get the universe put together, and then hopefully we're going to start moving forward in whatever that universe is. It's the first time they're all coming together. Like you have to be excited for that film. Yeah, and I, I think that's a big criticism I feel with the other movies a lot of people didn't like that we got to see batman and superman fighting but i'm like look this is the first time they were on screen together any nerd should just be at least a little happy i don't care how the turnout was there was i think there was a little bit of glimmer for everyone to like in that movie and i think this one is going to be even more seeing characters like aquaman introduced in this big huge universe and not be taken as like this dumb super friends version of him where he's like writing manta rays no this is awesome badass aquaman i i can't wait to see him flash i'm a big ezra miller fan i think he's gonna do great yeah i think this is gonna be a good turnaround for the franchise because even the character batman is changing from the first movie to this movie so i'm excited for that change as well i think this has a lot of potential to maybe even change everyone else's opinion I don't know about that. You might have went just like a little far. Like you, I was with you. I was like, we're going good. We're going. It's like, oh, it's going to change people's like, eh, I don't know. Could be. Oh, man. It's, it's going to be an interesting year of films. And I'm a huge fan of Danny Boyle. I I will go see almost anything that he does. And Train Spotting is coming out. I, I love that first two. train spotting. Train well, spotting yeah, yeah. T2, as he's referring to it, which I think is so, like, kind of ballsy. It's like, you remember that other T2 with Terminator? Nope, T2 train spotting. Like, I think it's so funny that he named it that. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know what they're going to do with this film. And everybody's, everybody's came back for the film. And it's, I did, I'm going in with an open slate, you know, clean slate. Just don't, you know, EJ, hey, don't spoil this one for me if you hear anything about it. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, cause it's going to be like that personal growth and where we've gone 20 years later after heroin addiction and all this stuff. So it's, I think it's going to be a little, uh, hopefully it's a, the first one is cerebral, but I think this one is even going to be more cerebral, but it does have potential of sucking, but I love all the actors and all the actors have gone on to do pretty amazing things. So, I mean, you and McGregor, I mean, like was nobody before train spotting and now, yeah. Oh yeah, and you know, I've, I think Train Spotting was the reason I sat through him 
in any of those damn like prequel movies just because I, come on like he he's a good actor and he showed potential and I think this is a great thing to show his evolution. I do think I have a problem with like late sequels, um, especially in something like this where like Haru and Sheik was so 90s and it really fit that time. How will these characters grow and mature? And I think that's where it could get super cerebral is now seeing these adults who had this like trashy younger life have to deal with their adulthood now. I think that's going to be a really kind of like punch in the gut there. So I'm excited for that to see in Transpotting. Yeah, it's going to I think it's going to be good. But like you said, there's going to be a punch in the gut factor to it to where like the first one was just kind of like trendy, cool we tried to get across like a decent message about like, hey, you probably shouldn't do heroin. It's bad for you. You shoot your pants, you shoot your bed, and then like everything goes bad. Um, and you fall into a toilet. Yeah, and, oh God. <laughs> uh, but like, I, it, it's it's one of those ones that I'm like just excited to see. I I love seeing stories continues of characters, and I I loved all those characters. So to get one last ride with those characters, or or, or another ride with those characters, will be fun. Speaking about other characters that are going to get like their story extended, how can you not be excited for Guardians of the Galaxy 2? I, I think this is like the perfect movie to be excited for from the Marvel side of it. I'm a known non-Marvel fan, but I even love the first Guardians of the Galaxy and Baby Groot. I don't care about anything else in this movie. I'm going to get Baby Groot and Rocket. I'm sold. I'm going to be in there watching everything that happens. See, what I'm really excited about for this film is the technology they're using to film the film and, you know, I think it's like 40 million K or whatever they're up to now, 10 K, 22 K or four, seven K, but it's, it's way past four K. And like, you can tell in the trailers that like, this looks completely different than any other film. And there's going to be big monsters. There's going to be big explosions, space. And I don't know where they're going to extend the universe. The cosmic universe for me is one of the most exciting times that I've had reading comic books. So I'm fully in on this ride. I think it's going to have a solid balance of, humor and action and you know chris pratt his snarkiness that you hate like i don't think he's going to be the he'll still be the main force but i think there's going to be enough else enough other things going on in the film to where he's not going to be that over-the-top person that you kind of detest no and i and i think that's why i liked the first guardians film is because he was he was given the chance to not be in the spotlight and i think he does shine in a kind of a in a side role where there, there's these four people, five. Yeah, I think five of is in all of the Guardians. Yeah, I'm trying to think of all of them now. But yeah, I, I think he he's gets to share the time with everybody, and I love that. And I love getting to see people like Batista be funny as Drax. And I I always get scared that Chris Pratt, like he did in a movie like Magnificent Seven, overshines everybody and kind of just eats up the screen and not in a good way. I think these are the perfect films for him to not do that. And like I said, I get to see Rocket and Groot, who I always cheer for. They're my favorite, some of my favorite Marvel characters ever. I don't want them to get a spinoff because that's going to be bad. Don't do that. But no, keep them in these movies. Keep them shining like this. And I'm going to be there for every Guardians movie. You don't want to see like a Rocket and Groot like Minions movie? See, because you called it the Minions movie, and that's my fear of it, and that's why I don't want to see the the giant toy advertisement for that movie. <laughs> People were like, I, I, I eventually saw the Minions, and I was like, wait a second. They're making a movie about characters that don't even speak English. This is amazing. <laughs> it, it was like the most like surreal way of doing a kid's movie, and I'm like, I, I don't understand. It's like, uh, I, uh, don't even get me started on Minions. At least... We're not even getting that, but we are getting a Despicable Me movie this year. Ugh. I'll, I'll keep I'll keep my Guardians. That's why I'm less angry about Marvel this year because movies like Despicable Me Despicable Me Three are coming out. 
Oh man, what else is on my list of excited? Justice League, you know, we'll we'll spend time talking about that later on because it comes out in November. Same with Star Wars. I mean, how can you not be excited for another Star Wars film? Um, I'm never going to get tired of them coming out once a year until the end. I mean, I know I know you're eventually going to be like, oh man, we got another Star Wars, but I'm like, it's a story's going to continue. Like, let the pages unfold. It's going to be amazing. I like how you said eventually there. Eventually. I like how you said eventually. Yeah, you're eventually. It, there's it's like I don't know if it's gonna no, be next year. No, it's already or... happened, Matt. Wait, I was already done with it after Force Awakens. I was like, oh god, we're doing this already. Like, come on, I I can't do one a year Star Wars. Thankfully, I'm not a huge fan of them, so I feel like I'm not gonna get oversaturated with the product. But yeah, I'll be I'll watch each one just to see how they take the story. EJ and I are on Skype right now, and he gets really squinty eyed when he talks about his distaste for Star Wars. <laughs> just so everybody knows. <laughs> Or he's stoned. Not sure. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of both. Like, it's my anger and my stoneness that gets me like this. Are you excited for War, War for the Planet of the Apes? Oh, man, that na- that title. I'm I'm not excited for that title, and I'm waiting for this franchise to be done with Dawn, War of the Planet of the Apes. They're getting ridiculous. But this movie looks gorgeous. I, I've been waiting for this movie. All the other ones that came before this looked okay, and they were fun, decent stories. But I get, like apes with guns and spears and they're living in this awesome jungle environment i'm super here for this movie i can't wait and then you get like woody harrelson like looking sucking in the life force of matthew mcconaughey from that dragon movie (laughs) that's like the greatest way of putting it i really think like woody harrelson was like i wasn't in apocalypse now but if i was this is what i would look like and i'm super here for that in a planet of the apes movie I, I'm excited for his performance. I think he's just going to be pure evil. And it's so this is the Planet of the Apes movies, like the current incarnations. Those movies that like I begrudgingly go to see because I know it's going to have a negative outcome at the end. Like I know where we're going here and it's just going to end badly because humans are dumb as shit. We should have learned something from these films, but we continue not to. And we're dumb as shit. But I, I they're so well done. They're so well done, put together. And like the CGI just keeps raising the bar on these films and I can't not be excited for it. Uh, and then speaking about apes, Kong Skull Island. I love monsters. I love monsters so much. I love big monsters like this way more than I like King Kong himself. I think his world's always been awesome. And I always hate that we've uh, started out in Skull Island, but never got to really live there and be there. And I think this is going to be the first time I really love a full-on King Kong movie because this looks like it's going to be ridiculous. Larry and I were talking yesterday, a managing editor, Larry Taylor, and I were talking about it yesterday, that we love John C. Riley's comedic humor in there. And I know that some people don't, but... I, I think you always need the crazy island guy sometimes. You do. You always need that character. And this movie always has had that one piece of comedic relief. And I and I, I don't mind that in this franchise, and I think it needs it. But I think he's going to be less comedic at times and kind of give us something a little, like, scary because of how crazy he's going to be. And he's John C. Riley. I like him in everything. He's awesome. And um, Loki's in that movie, too. Loki's in that movie. John um, Goodman's in that movie. I, and I think it's a Brie Larson. Is that she's like the new like hot thing in Hollywood. I think she's in it. And I think she's going to do great as well. So the cast is great. Kong looks great from the little that they teased. I'm glad that they haven't given him all the way kind of like they did with Godzilla. They've only given us a little like sneak preaks of him and like, oh, that looks cool. I can't wait to see him in his full glory because he looks huge in this movie as well. This film is like his origin story. So 
it's building up to the Godzilla King Kong matchup. Uh, do you think he's going to get bigger in the next film? Like, is he, is he young? Like how, what do you, what do you, what are your anticipation Ooh. for that? That's a good, that's a good theory that he could be young. Cause I, from what I remember of the Godzilla in the 2014 Godzilla movie, he was massive. Like he was a beast of a beast and I'm kind of excited to see what they're going to do with him in this version. And I'm excited to see what he's going to look like with God with next to King Kong and yeah, I think King Kong has to get bigger because, like you said, this is kind of before he gets sent to New York. This is kind of before all of that, or even if they skip the whole New yeah, York saga. Yeah, are they going to send him to New York? And yeah, wow, I'm I'm really intrigued of what they're going to do because if he keeps getting bigger, Godzilla might have a he might have a problem on his hands this time. My other thing is, do you think anybody survives Skull Island? Oh, not at all. I think we're uh, anyone like everyone's going to die. But Kong, basically, like Kong's gonna be the only one who lives and makes it through this. So you think that like it's going to be kind of like Rogue One ish where they don't nobody survives like Brie Larson done, like gone. Yeah, I, I think that's why they got these good and big of the names, because I don't think they're coming back. And I think they know that they weren't coming back and weren't getting stuck into a King Kong franchise. So, yeah, I, I think if maybe one or maybe one or two might live but maybe not be in the sequels or any of the other future films. But no, I, I do think a lot of people are not going to make it out alive. Oh yeah. No, this is definitely going to be like horror, like running and dying along the way kind of thing. But I'm just trying to think of like, cause if they, if everybody, if somebody made it back in the, in the film and this film takes place in 1971, when Godzilla came along in 2014, somebody, was there a mention of Godzilla and King Kong in the film? I don't think so. I think there was just a giant monster that they were. So that's why I'm saying that I don't think anybody makes it back alive at all. And that could be, say, Brie Larson gets taken out by John Goodman, and that's what gets the Kong rage going, and then he just wipes out everyone. That's basically every King Kong movie ever. So, yeah, that sounds like a great plot, and I kind of think that's what, how it has to lead, because like you said, there was no mention of this, and I know they're going to do a lot of kind of like backtracking like the DC movies have done, and kind of like this is where Godzilla started, and now we're going to like throw in little like hints and stuff everywhere else. So, yeah, I think that they could have potential to do something like that, and that makes the most sense. Interesting. And this movie comes out next month, so I'm I'm we're going to hit this. We're going to start hitting the ground running soon, and these movies... Now, this is the thing is now that Star Wars comes out once a year and you have the DC movies coming out twice a year, this pushes a lot of movies to the fringes. So now like your Novembers and Octobers and your Februarys and Marches are getting packed with really good big budget films as before that, you know, it sucked all the way until like April. Yeah, I'm glad that January is just now the trash month and we threw all the bad movies like Monster Trucks and Bye Bye Man in that month. And, you know, Split was the only th good thing that walked out, basically. I, I did, like, Resident Evil as well, but uh, so Split I. was the only thing that... Yeah, Split was the only thing that really did well. So I'm glad February, you know, once we started getting the screeners and stuff, I was like, wow, February's stacked. And then looking at March with Power Rangers coming out and Skull, like Kong Skull Island, there's some good stuff coming out. And now it's now just not summer and like late fall anymore. We could be getting year round good films. And for people who like Hollywood movies, that hasn't happened in a long time. And you had Power Rangers on your excited list. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Dude, it's my childhood nostalgia. I talked about it last week in my little EJ time, but now getting to really like grow into this and seeing what else is happening in this Power Rangers universe, I'm falling more in love with it. I, I kind of like kept watching Power Rangers as I've gotten older, like just peeking in. And then I found out like the Japanese Power Rangers has blood and cursing. 
Whoa. So I yeah, like the Super Sentai where all these Power Ranger stuff are based on, they just adapt them for into English. Like dubbing, it's so awesome to see what they do and you know how they grow. So now I'm falling in love with Power Rangers all over again as an adult. And I said last week, I'm just nervous that I'm gonna get the Ninja Turtles Transformers treatment that you got with your childhood nostalgia. So I'm a little nervous. I'm still cautious, but I think it's gonna be great. Uh, breaking news that just happened: uh, your boy that directed Arrival. Mm-hmm. He is going to direct the remake of Dune. <laughs> oh my God! I can't believe we're remaking Dune. David Lynch's Dune. Nice. Oh man, that's insane. That's insane. You know what film I'm cautiously optimistic about, and you're just like loathing it before it even like comes out of my mouth is Spider-Man: Homecoming. I'm not loathing it. Um there's things I really don't want in that movie like Robert Downey Jr. But I know that they established his connection with Peter Parker in Civil War. So I get why he's here. Um, if it was another solo Spider-Man movie, I've always enjoyed them. I think they're fun from even Spider-Man 3 that everyone hates. Whatever. I think it was fun trash. Even to like Amazing Spider-Man 2 with Electro. Fun trash. So no, I think this is going to be fun and not bad. And this looks pretty great, and I'll roll my eyes through Robert Downey Jr. scenes and get over that. But once I get to see Tom Holland Spider-Man again, nah, I don't think I'm gonna hate it as much as I as I'm, I want to hate it as the little DC, uh, little Marvel hater in me. I love in the trailer that that early 2000s music that they use when he's opening up his locker. I was like, oh, that you're capturing the essence of a high school superhero just stuck between both worlds, and that's always been one of the strongest powers of the Spider-Man comic book is that duality of like, okay, I have to be a responsible adult or kid and I have an aunt and I have schoolwork and I have other stuff. And then it's like, Oh shit, the fucking vultures come in town and he's destroying shit and I got to save the world. But I also have an exam tomorrow. Like that you never, I don't know if we ever really truly got that, with the on the any of the other spider-man films i know i was never a fan of Kristen dunce so that whole whiny thing about i'm peter where are you whatever oh no you don't have time for me i was like Kristen, can you just go somewhere else like i i wasn't there with that bond uh but then then with uh the second incarnation of spider-man i was like okay i really i kind of like one stacy the relationship that's going on there things are kind of there was a little bit more balance uh andrew garfield is still going to be my favorite film spider-man for a long time because he just pulled off the humor, he had the look, uh, his, you know, in the second film, I, 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 the second Amazing Spider-Man, I think is hands down the best version of Spider-Man I've ever seen on screen. When he puts on the fire hat, starts hosing off things and, and just joking around with everybody, I was like, this is my guy. Like the movie around it may not be the best, but this guy right here knows what's going on. And, um, It'll be interesting to see how this one comes out because, I'm, like I said, I'm cautiously optimistic. This is the comic book that I've read almost everything on. Uh, growing up as a kid, I read everything. And, you know, the newer stuff I've kind of, like, pushed to the side because I've had my 450 million issues of Spider-Man and I'm kind of, they've changed them and I don't like where they've changed them for. Um, but I've read five, the first 500 issues of Spider-Man and I love that character and... I'm cautiously optimistic that they are going to give me some of the good stuff in that film. So I know you're kind of a Spider-Man, you know, as you just explained your Spider-Man love. I know they're doing an animated one. Are you not excited for Miles Morales Spider-Man animated movie? 
No, I I'm fine with Miles Morales. That I have no issue with who who the uh, like Peter Parker is like the character I grew up with, you know. But Miles Morales has has resided and he has lasted in the universe and the ultimate universe Spider-Man Peter Parker he died saving New York and Miles Morales you know he's paying homage to the fallen Peter Parker in taking up that responsibility and power of Spider-Man to inspire others and so I'm completely fine with that I don't know how they're going to explain that in the first five minutes of a film to make yeah, everybody like understand how movies have to be yeah, and so that's where I think they, it might falter uh, a little bit because that was a huge thing. They're like, oh, man. Like, I didn't believe that they killed Spider-Man in the Ultimate Universe. I was like, ah, hey, you're just fucking with me, man. You're, you're just, you know, like, he didn't die. You can't <laughs> kill Peter Parker. And then they they came, they, they uh, Brian Michael Bendis came up with Miles Morales, and they're like, wow, this is a hit. This can resonate, and it has, it can do some things here and there. And um, And he's been around since then, and the other Peter Parker has been dead. And is not coming back, and so that's a powerful sentiment for for what they've accomplished in the comic books. And it's just because I forgot how long he was in. They wrote Ultimate Spider-Man four before Miles Morales kicked in, or they killed off Peter Parker. But like again, like it was just it was insane. I was because I, I owned a comic book store then. I was like, no, no, man, they he's not dead. He's not dead. But then yeah, they they killed him off, and and uh, Miles Morales is here, and I think he's. I think he's needed, which I'm fine with him being Spider-Man. But there are also, this is going to lead into a small tangent about Marvel Comics. And and I think it comes with other things as well. With You start repeating things that are successful. So then you're going to have like 50, you have Spider-Gwen. You have, I think you have like 15 Spider-Women now. They're, you had Doc Ock as Spider-Man yeah, Doc for a Ock, little bit. Well, well, I understood Doc Ock, but like there's, when when they came out with Venom and then they came out with Carnage, then they like, oh, we can keep doing this over and over again. So then there was like twenty two Carnages running around or symbiotes running around, and then there's like the anti Venom and all this other stuff. But like every time you create another persona that's based on the original, you diminish the original. That's my my feeling. Yeah, I can definitely feel that way, and I I see it with everything else except for Miles because I do think Miles represents a part of New York. That should right. have been represented, and I think there's a lot of like that like black Spanish community in heart. Like he represents something great, so he was never I think tarnishing it. But I definitely agree, like Spider Gwen and all this. It's like, what are we doing? <laughs> like Spider Man 2048. It's just like, all right, guys, let's just just chill, whatever. Let's let's focus. And I do definitely agree that I'm glad that the movie version is is representing somebody that needs it instead of doing a Venom movie that by himself that i don't think we ever needed that was always rumored no let's get a miles movie because he should be represented yeah and in the comic books like it was organic it, it organically grew out of a storyline whether it was liked hated or disliked uh by fans i you really don't give a shit like i i appreciate that it was like organically grown from from the events that have gone because sometimes like there's like we were talking about there's so many forced like things to sell books, you know, like, Oh, we're going to do 22 Venoms and we're going to do this, blah, blah. And like, ever since Terminator two came out, I feel like everybody has stolen that plot for the rest of time. Terminator two came out and then carnage was invented and Marvel comics. And then they're like, Oh, Spider-Man and Venom have to team up to beat carnage. 
And same thing like T2. It's like, oh, Sarah Connor's in the Terminator. I have to team up to beat up the bigger one. And then they just keep repeating that cycle when they invent something stupid that's a copy of something else. And then it's the T2 plot, and that bothers me. Well, that's the problem with nerd culture. Everything is constantly repeated forever and always and in different versions. But thankfully... I don't, that's what that's one thing I like about 2017 movies is I don't think it's that bad. I think some of the things that are even sequels don't seem that unoriginal. There's, there's going to be a lot of sequels, but there's also going to be a lot of sequels where they're hopefully upping the game in a good way. Not like the Lethal Weapon 4 way where it's like, oh, we're just going to throw more people and babies. And also, like, I'm hoping, you know, even though Guardians of the Galaxy has baby Groot. And I was like, oh, but that's a callback i don't know if it's a throwback to the hey we gotta have a baby in a sequel kind of thing i'd rather have a baby groot than have have gamora gamora i'd rather have gamora than gamora have a baby oh i agree 100 and you know i that's one of the few sequels i'm kind of ner- nervous about is the thor sequel i think it's so jammed in between so many other superhero films and so many other even just marvel films that i don't know if he's gonna get the recognition he deserves ah i I like Thor. He is second after Spider-Man. It basically goes Spider-Man, Thor, Green Lantern. Those are like my three characters that I really like. And then we have like a a Dick Grayson, Robin, Nightwing. That's that's like a nice fourth right there. Uh, but Thor is the guy. And then and then the Planet Hulk storyline in the comics is in my top ten storylines of all time. It's the way that organically grew. So if you're looking for a book to read, Planet Hulk is a phenomenal graphic novel. Again, like I said, it's in my top 10. So to see some sort of version of that show up could be interesting. I don't know how long they're going to be in that universe for and who, what I just hate that it's, I hate that it's thrown into a Thor movie though. And I feel like we're still getting punished from Ang Lee's like Hulk movie that we can't get a solo Hulk film. So yeah, I, I'm just kind of upset that he's getting kind of thrown into a Thor film. And that's kind of some of my problems is I think these Marvel movies are all starting to become like, Everyone's movies getting cut in half because we have to start giving other people time and other people moments to shine. And I, I think that's something that's going to upset me because this Thor Ragnarok story, from what I know, is really like intense and really there's a lot going on. And the same thing with Planet Hulk. So to kind of mix them two together, I think it's kind of weird. It's kind of some of the complaints that people had about that the Superman and um, the Dark um, the Dark Knight Rise or uh, the Dark Knight Returns and Batman v Superman Bukaki. So yeah, I definitely think it's a uh, it's weird that this is happening to a Marvel film as well. Well, this one I I understand because I know that there are film rights issues where Marvel can't do a standalone Hulk film or they they're fighting over the rights or something like that. So they're trying to figure out ways of incorporating it and so I appreciate the writing chops or I appreciate the creativity of kind of putting this in. Are they going to pull it off? I have no clue, but this is going to be another cosmic film where I'm just going to look around and be like, look at all the pretty monsters and look at that guy. And like, Oh, that guy was there. And so it's seeing some of my favorite parts of Thor and Hulk brought on the big screen. And there, and when one of these, I, I put, I put Hulk in my monster category like he's going to smash some shit and that's all I really need him to do. I like all the conversation between like Bruce Banner and being like, I don't want to be the Hulk. It's inside me. I was like, no, 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 no. That's stupid. I need you to be the Hulk and I need you to smash everything that's around you. And 
The same thing I love, like why, why I love Godzilla movies. Like Godzilla is always this lurking character. I'm like, no, no, just get to the Godzilla part when he's smashing everything. And that's what I want. And that's what I want from Hulk. And hopefully we'll just get to that part, you know, where it is just, we, you, Hulk shows up and he's like, yeah, we're just going to blow some shit up and, and, and just smash things. And so I'm hoping I get the best parts of a Hulk film in Thor, Thor Ragnarok. When we come back from EJ's time, EJ's time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, uh, until we figure out an official name, we're just going to keep putting a question mark on this and not being sure. When we come back from EJ's time, which is about two minutes, we're going to discuss the potential flops in the films that are going to surprise audiences in 2017. See you in two minutes. Welcome to EJ Time, a segment on the Monkeys Fighting Robots podcast where I can talk about whatever I want because it's my segment and not yours. <laughs> this week's EJ Time is about WWE's Royal Rumble. Wow, what a weekend for WWE actually because they had NXT TakeOver San Antonio on Saturday, which was a pretty good show. It was actually one of the first NXT shows I really wasn't in love with. You know, usually they have some stellar shows with some stellar performances, usually from their women. Asuka is one of my favorite female wrestlers, actually one of my favorite wrestlers, period. And her Fatal 4 match was just okay. I think Billy Kay and Peyton Royce really dragged her down there. Oh, you had Bobby Roode and Shinsuke Nakamura having a match. A big, big main event. So much drama. Honestly, that match made up for the rest of the pretty underwhelming card. Shinsuke Nakamura is a true star. One of the best wrestlers in the entire world. So glad he came here from Japan and is doing well. But he lost his NXT title to Bobby Roode. Eh, whatever. I'm not a big Bobby Roode fan, but he's a great heel. He's going to do really good things with that belt. Now on to the Royal Rumble. Wow, what a Royal Rumble it was. The match itself, the Royal Rumble match, was filled with some actually good performances. It's getting knocked down for not having a lot of good surprises, but other than the surprises, it was a pretty good match. Uh, Ty Dillinger debuted at 10, which is his big gimmick, is to chant that he's the perfect 10. Um, we had Randy Orton winning. Kind of an odd choice for me. I would have liked to see Bray Wyatt win, but hey, whatever. Good choice there. The the big names like Goldberg, Brock Lesnar, and The Undertaker being in it. Actually, they did okay. It was serviceable. Uh, nothing too crazy there. The rest of the undercard was great. AJ Styles, John Cena, and on an almost five-star match. Like a four-point and a sliver almost to that full five. Like, it, it was perfect. But, you know, it, it's, it's still John Cena. He can do some wonky moves because he's just so big but honestly that final double attitude adjustment he delivered was stellar he, he's a star and i'm glad he has the belt the 16 time tying rick flair it was a big moment for wrestling but i'm kind of ready just for wrestlemania to come because i'm really excited to see what it can bring so tune in next week on the monkeys finding robots podcast for another ej time who knows what it's going to be about it could be about wrestling it could be about comic books it could be about horror films i can't wait to share it with you and thank you guys for listening you love your wrestling i i love my wrestling i it's I my other passion before it's we talk about this how you like grew up with Godzilla before I found comics before I found horror films before I found anything else that I really love it was pro wrestling and it's never going away for me and that's why I like that I, I really put pro wrestling in nerd culture 
because we're not a loved community of people. And I think comic book fans were once that. And now you guys are rising and wrestling still the the nerd lower grade of things. Yes, I it's it's one of those things where I can kind of put a comic book movie on in my house. My wife will look at me and be like, OK, but if I put wrestling on, it's it's like, what the hell are you doing? Exactly. Trust me, being a gay man and trying to go on dates and being like, oh, what do you want to do? I'm like, well, do you want to watch wrestling? And they're like, what the hell? And I'm like, no, just accept me. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard being a wrestling fan. I, like all nerd stuff gets loved. Even my horror films, I can put on a gross gory movie and at least people laugh. But nope, wrestling, I still get mocked. Speaking of wrestling, I've been wrestling with the idea of the Great Wall hopefully being good. But I have not been able to find one angle where I think the Great Wall is going to be good. And I think the Great Wall is going to flop in two weeks. Look, I will admit that I think it's going to flop well. But I will compare this to something we talked about before the podcast is we both just recently saw Gods of Egypt. And I told you, Matt, this is movies bad. It flopped, but you have to watch it. It's ridiculous. So that's my hope for The Great Wall is that it's going to be bad, it's going to flop, but at least it's going to be fun to watch because it's Matt Damon fighting tentacle monsters in China. I don't know why that I'm I'm kind of in for this movie. I'm going to go see this movie. And I I think it will be decent. I, people are really upset about the whitewashing and putting big name Hollywood actors in other ethnicities. But I also understand that these movies won't get made if Matt Damon... This movie would not get made if Matt Damon's name is not attached to it. And I would have a problem with it if this movie was like The Last Samurai, where we have this this great Asian culture, but we thrust in a white man. This movie has dragons and demons and tentacle monsters. I'm not upset that there's a white person in this movie. I'm more upset that the Great Wall of China is getting attacked by monsters. Maybe <laughs> that's what I'm more pissed about. <laughs> because they're CG monsters and the monster union didn't get the work. Is that what's going on? Yeah. I, you know, I think, I think the practical effects world needs it. No, I just, I'm upset that this plot even exists. That's why I can't be upset about the, like the cultural appropriation or any of the social justice stuff. Cause I'm like, dudes, this movie has tentacle monsters attacking the great wall. There is no realism. Please let's, let's settle down. Yeah. It's the, and there was like reptile army. There's some crazy shit going on with this film. I, it's going to be weird. It's going to be, I just, I can't get past Matt Damon's haircut in this, the ponytail. That's going to be a tough one to get by. Yeah. Um, the movie's going to star Matt Damon and Matt Damon's wig. It's going to be ridiculous. Oh man. Whew. Uh, speaking of whitewashing, Ghost in the Shell. Is that going to do well? That gonna... was a beautiful segue, by the way. Oh my, that was perfect, Matt. Good job. No, uh, Ghost in the Shell, yeah. I, I think it's going to be beautiful. I'm very excited for the, the visuals, and I'm a big Scarlett Johansson fan. She, she's the one thing I always look for in Marvel films is, oh shit, is Black Widow going to be awesome? I love Darren Lucy. So yeah, I'm 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 going to watch this. I'm not going to hate it as much as the other people will, but I, I don't know how this is going to do and how it's going to be. Um, Lucy wasn't well-loved, but I thought Lucy was a fun as like, really, really fun movie. So I think Ghost in the Shell has potential. I think it has, but I think it has potential. I think it's going to be a good film. I don't know if it has like mass appeal kind of thing. No, it's so niche still. So I, I think this will flop based on like its niche audience, but I, and so I don't, I think it's going to be a good film. So critically, I think it might be decent. It might be a decent film to watch and it might get some buzz to go for there. But like, and it's one of those movies where you're like, how do you get, how do you get everybody 
you, like you can't, like for Marvel films, you take the whole family to go see a Marvel film. Like I can't see taking the whole film to Ghost in the Shell. Like this is this is be an interesting interesting film to see how it does at the box office because if it's Oh man, I'm like I think it's close to like Matrix, but we've already have the Matrix, so it's like I don't even know where to put it as far as a category. And and I don't mind this because I know some critics are going to be pissed, but who cares about box office? Sometimes I know that this is a this is a business first, but this is still an art industry as well. So I'm sometimes happy to see these niche movies that a couple of good hardcore fans and some new fans are going to find and love. And even if this does well on Blu-ray or on Netflix later on, I'll still be happy because I'm glad movies like this are getting made. As a fan of like nerdy Asian culture or like these like kind of weird movies that not a lot of people love, I'm happy for. I wanted to do well, but I, I'm kind of happy that not everyone's going to love this because that would made it that would have made it watered down at least. Your short-term outlook on the art world really bothers me. It, it, it does. Because like Ghost in the Shell, if it flops, that next little niche nerdy artist director is not going to get that film made because they're like, oh, Ghost in the Shell flopped. We're not going to give there's always another person underneath Ghost in the Shell or whatever that next movie is that if Ghost in the Shell does well, they're going to green light this film. And so when it comes to pop culture films and it comes to like nerdy things, that's why I gave my money to Resident Evil. Like I loved Resident the last Resident Evil. I think it could be the best Resident Evil movie that we've ever seen. Besides, I really like the first one, and you like the second I think one. The first, I yeah, I think one and two are like great, and then yeah, that one. God, we should have done a whole podcast about our love of Resident Evil movies. <laughs> but I, this is that's why I go see these films because I know that there's another. If Resident Evil does well, there's some other movie underneath Resident Evil that's going to get greenlit, and that's why I donate my money to the film world, the box office, and that's why I look at the box office because I'm like, okay. What's under the surface that's going to get made and is going to like be amazing? Like Split. Like it's, you know, we saw Split. I had an M. Night Shyamalan to it, but like that was a $5 million film or $10 million, depending on what you wanted. But like if his previous film flopped, Split was never going to get made. You know, I mean. And I agree. I guess I should look at it because I'm looking forward to Death Note coming out, and it's done by Adam Wingard, who you know I'm a big fan of his from Blair Witch last year. So I really want that to do well, and I guess I should want these movies to make money. But I also know that these are still going to get made by someone for half this budget in a trashy straight-to-DVD version, and I'm still going to love it. So sometimes I don't I don't mind, but I do want these to do well. So I guess I should hope for a better like long-term goal because something like Death Note coming out later this year or next year – needs that promo as well we just talked about box office potential flops my critical flops are the fate of the furious and baywatch i'm rocked out i'm rocked out man not even bringing up jumanji oh well jumanji that was a flop since they like greenlit it that was going to be done baywatch i i think it's going to make decent money but i don't think critics are going to like it fate of the furious i don't know i think those movies are so so ridiculous and so fun last year or you know a couple years ago when we had them in dubai flying cars through buildings i was just like these this is great this is exactly what action movies should be so i think the fate no of the that's is not what that. action movies should be that was over the top ridiculousness that was just no and i know people like i think I think everybody likes it because they can turn their brain off. They, and, and I appreciate that fact of it, but I still want just a little bit more from a film. 
No, and I think this one should be a little bit better, honestly. I think looking at it, I know it looks just as ridiculous, but with Helen Marin and Charlize Theron and this whole Vin Diesel being evil plot line, I think there's there's some potential for a, a better made movie because I think after five, these movies have actually had better scripts than any of them should have had. So I'm 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 optimistic about that. I know it's not gonna do well, but hey. It's Fate of the Furious. I like Vin Diesel's face. I'm going to be here for every movie. How do you make Charlize Theron ugly? That's what I was trying to figure out. How She's a gorgeous woman, and they put some dreads on her, and I was like, what are you doing? Like this, How do you make her ugly? I don't know. I still think she looks kind of hot. I've been here when she's had a shaved head. I was here when she gained 60 pounds from Monster. I don't know. I'm always kind of into her. Like, oh, so I'm, kind of, I'm excited for what she's going to do with this, and she looks good. We'll see. We'll see. That one's going to be, that's the one I'm cautiously optimistic, but I know it's going to be complete ridiculousness. No, because um, Angelina Jolie had dreads in... The little Gone in 60 Seconds. Gone in 60 Seconds. She was gorgeous. There's a way to pull off hair, dudes, but like, I saw the braids and I was like, no, no, what'd you do? Like, that's... Uh, it was very like early 90s, like hacker chic, and I'm like, don't do this, don't do it, don't do it, and they did it. Oh, man. Ah. Uh... Yeah, and she's a hacker too, which is even dumber. Like they gave yeah, her the it's, hacker it's, braid hair. Like, no, this is oh, bad, bad. They did. It's like Vin Diesel was just like, I'm watching hackers. What should I do? <laughs> oh man, I can't believe hackers was just talked about in 2017. Woo, dude, I love hackers. Hackers, the main character from Hackers was in Train Spotting. He's gonna be in Train Spotting too. He's also plays Sherlock Holmes on CBS. We're doing really good at this, like, six degrees of separation this episode. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, It it can't possibly be good. Uh, I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to do pretty horrible with the mainstream fans um, and mainstream audiences. But horror fans, they're going to eat it up. Come on. What was the first? It was this, like, trashy made-for-TV movie. Tim Curry's the only reason it was good. John Ritter, you bastard. John Ritter. (laughs) Oh, wow. No one's <laughs> ever been that angry about John Ritter ever. No, no. You know, it's it's good. I don't hate it. Um, But it, it's it's one of these things is how I feel about Power Rangers. I'm like, we can't get upset. The first movie, it's like so campy and ridiculous. Like, I, I think an update should be good. I'm, I'm hoping it's going to do well. I think it's going to do well with horror fans. Um, I don't see it appealing to much other people, though. Hi, I've I've been... I've been talking about the flops all this time. What 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 flops do you have, sir? Uh, some of the flops I have, I think Beauty and the Beast. Um, I think it's going to make decent money. But after me and you kind of had that same view about the Jungle Book last year, I'm a little nervous about this. I think it looks gorgeous. I've always been kind of attracted to the Beast. Um, one of my man crushes when I was a kid. I know you just rolled your He's eyes. So weird, weird. weird. You're a weird, weird <laughs> little man. But, but I was like, man, he had this really nice library. You know, he, he was a gentleman. I, everything in his house talked. I was super into him. So now to see him in this version, I'm uh, – but then I have a crush on Luke Evans. And to see him as Gaston, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for Elements. I think it's going to be interesting. But then I, I'm cautious because Cinderella, Alice in Wonderland, all these, like, cartoon to live action hasn't been the greatest. No. And after no. Jungle Book, I'm nervous. Uh, this, this might flop. But it has potential to do well with a strong cast, at least. It's a family film, so it's going to do well. It's got brand recognition. Disney's behind it, and it's Beauty and the Beast, so people are going to sing, it, see it in droves. I don't think it's going to be a good film. I was always a fan of Lumiere, like he was always having sex with all the china in the in the in the <laughs> animated was. film. 
Um, and but I, I, and is Josh Gad in this film too? Is the voice of something? Fuck that guy. I can't stand Josh Gad. But then they also have like Ian McKellen. Like it's like 50 50 with the voice acting. It's like, oh God, we got you. Oh, but we have you. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it works on that kind of scale. Cause like you said, family movie is going to bank. But how will critics feel? And mostly, all I care is how are we going to feel? I, that's what I was talking about with uh, Ashley, one of the writers for the website, because she was talking about Beauty and the Beast and how she was excited for it. And I was like, no, Jungle Book kind of sucked. And she's like, no, this will be better. Don't hold it against it. And I was like, number one, where's like my Robin Hood movie? Where's my Oliver and Company? There are some like cra- the rescuers. Like there are some amazing Disney films that they could transition into live action that would be cool. And she was like, I don't want to see more CGI animals. And I was like, well, that was the whole Jungle Book. Like, the Jungle Book was all CGI animals. Yeah. I will take stuff like the Rescuers Down Under live action before I take Pete's Dragon. That was already kind of live action that shouldn't... You know, it's like, come on, Disney, where's your priorities? Give us some cult things. This isn't even Disney, but where's my Brave Little Toaster sequel that I've been dying oh, for? Oh, man, the Brave Little Toaster, man. That son of a bitch is an amazing film. <laughs> it is, dude. It's powerful and gripping. Like, that is a movie that I... Need. Even when I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch it later on just because of this conversation. <sighs> yeah, man, if you're... If you're ever doubting, self-doubting, you just need to watch The Brave Little Toaster because that son of a bitch will fucking just make you proud of life, man. God, I remember when No one's ever referred to that toaster as a son of a bitch before. That poor brave toaster. (sighs) Oh, man. Because The Brave Little Toaster, like Toy Story 3, the end of Toy Story 3 when I thought they were all going to die was the same feeling I had with, like, the Brave Little Toaster. Like, I was like... But oh, all man. the way through. Like, yeah. the whole movie, it's like a tense anxiety. <laughs> You're like, everyone's dying. This movie's intense. Yeah, God, that movie's ridiculous. See? That's what I'm like. Where's that <laughs> gripping, like, gritty remake of Brave Little Toaster? It, it's already there. That's why. <laughs> oh, man. There's going to be... There's got to be some films that are going to surprise us this year, aren't there? There's got to be something that's going to come out of nowhere. And you and I are kind I... of on the opposite of ends. Like... I think The Mummy is going to be one of the surprise films. Even though it's a big blockbuster, I think people have a negative connotation going into this because it's like Tom Cruise, it's The Mummy. They're like, uh, whatever. It's another monster movie world. Wow, we actually have a few monster movies coming out this year. That's something to be excited for. Yeah, it was like a classic monster film this year. And like even with guys like 80s slashers like Jason, this is a good year for like these classic kind of like throwback characters. But then like, you're going to have Russell Crowe as Dr. Jekyll and we might see Mr. Hyde. I don't know. I mean, like there's, there are some good, good elements in there. And the first trailer where the plane crashes and Tom Cruise is dead. And then he comes out of the body bag that right there intrigues me. It's like, how did he come back to life? Like, is he, he's, I I was originally going to say he's Dorian Gray, but he's too old to be Dorian Gray. I agree. There's there's a couple things. I, I'm very intrigued by his character, like you said, because uh, there's things that happen that I'm like, how the hell did that happen? And they're building this big like universe they're doing with all the universal horror films, which I love that they're the original cinematic universe and they're getting this big comeback. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what they can do like this with The Mummy and Dr. Jekyll. I'm, so I think Tom Cruise might be a character in this universe. So I'm intrigued. Even if he's the Wolfman or something like that, that would be awesome. I think Ooh. that's a yeah, I, once you talked about age, I was like, well, he's a good age for the Wolfman. Him not dying in a plane crash, that could have been just, you know, his kind of strength from being a Wolfman. Who knows? I think there's there's things that can happen in here that I'm excited for. But I, 
I'm scared that the action is going to go above the horror because I want horror to be the number one thing. This is the universal horror monsters. That should be the number one priority. You are correct because it is a big budget film and there's going to be like Mummy 3 was like insane and Mummy 2 is insane. But the first one was like, we're running, from, back we're and, running yeah. from everything that the mummy does. And, and I was upset. Like in the trailer, I think it's bats that come through the plane, but it should have been locusts. Like locusts? I, yeah. There, there's there's things little that I'm things like, that like, yeah, yeah. But this, this will be interesting to see how that plays out because the summer is packed with films and I don't know where people are going to find their money from to go to all these films. And you're just, you know, do you get fatigue halfway through the summer where you're just like, oh my God, another blockbuster's thrown in my face and all this other stuff. So um, I think it's going to surprise people with the quality. Uh, you're kind of, you think it's going to flop financially or critically? Um, more critically, just because I, I think it has the potential to make money. I'm just, like I said, my only worry is that the action is going to be number one. But this is also something that could help be redeemed because I think like a film like Alien Covenant is one of my surprises because I think it has a lot of redeeming to do after Prometheus. I think a lot of people were scared off, and I, I think this could be a good comeback for them because after that first trailer that dropped on Christmas, that it's terrifying. There's blood again. It was only a red band trailer. There's no like censored version of it. They're they're doing something interesting, so I'm I'm surprised because I think other people are going to be surprised. Alien has disappointed me since Aliens, because that's when it disappointed me. Okay, number one, you know I'm I'm taller than you, and I like to shoot aliens with guns, so I'm <laughs> I'm I'm fine with that. Uh, would we have that? Would we have the stay away from her, you bitch line if we didn't have aliens too? No, I I understand that the necessity of it, but I it. It, if this is what I was saying with that is that turned it from an action horror to what the first one was just a horror film. Right. And you're so a that's, horror that's fan. My beef you're, you're, yes. an, you're a horror fan. I'm an action fan. So aliens, aliens one is awesome and amazing. Aliens two is like, okay, it's a sequel. We have to up the ante. Let's bring in the Marines. And then we get space Marines. And I think this is the first time we had space Marines, but then like aliens three, was that the one with the dog? The alien was went into the dog. I think so. And then four was shaved head Sigourney Weaver. And Winona Ryder and like Yes. Like human alien, which was kind of like a baby in like Can we both agree that AVP was decent at least? No, no, it was not. <laughs> I loved AVP. That's the one like but that was in the whole era of like Jason versus Freddy, where I'm like, I'll just throw all these people against each other. I'll watch it. Ah, so I've been disappointed with the aliens franchise since the 90s yeah well aliens 4 is what like jumped the shark aliens the with the dog like there's a lot like the original the rock is in there i don't know if you remember that tv show the rock no i do not because i'm not oh i'm not 40 i'm gonna punch you in the junk (laughs) i never make fun of your age let me at least do it once charles s dutton was in the aliens 3 and he was in the prison and Charles S. Dutton, man, that guy is hardcore, and you're still like, I don't really know who you're talking about. Yeah, it, it happens with that movie. I just try to wipe that movie out of my brain. It's, Three and four. The Rock has 72 episodes, man. 72 episodes. 91 to 94. When were you born? 90. 90. So you would have been like two when it came out. 
you know it's so funny because i i will i'm pretty good with my references but then there's those things that kind of just slip through like all of pop culture that i don't get to grab no early late 80s early 90s fox was insane with the amount of programs that came in and out of the world of fox as it evolved into the station that it was because they were you know you had you started off with like 21 jump street which was kind of like super low budget craziness and then you had uh what was the in Living Color, like those were the two yep. two big things. That Wasn't came Tracy Ullman show on there? Tracy Ullman well? show was there. Then the Simpsons kind of perked up, so they started making money with the Simpsons, and then like they started to do, uh, you know, other other shows and started doing the sitcoms. And Rock was one of those early ones, and awesome man, it was awesome. See, just a, see, I I would like a couple years later they gave me X Files, and then I loved them from that. So no, X Files was around for a long time. I I wanted eighty eight. X Files lasted way longer than I think anyone ever wanted X Files to last. Yeah, no, X Files lasted for ever ninety three. So I for some reason I thought it started eighty eight, but X Files started in ninety three, went to. 2016. Oh, I was like, how did it go to 2016? I was like, oh yeah, they just rebooted it. I was like, you're like, this isn't MASH. What's going on here? (laughs) Oh man. But yeah, no, Fox in the early days was kind of crazy because I don't remember when, because Firefly was later on in Fox. Oh, Briscoe County Jr. Wow. I've never even heard of those words together, Matthew. You've never heard of Briscoe County Jr.? No, you, you have now like dumbfounded me with something. Okay. Evil Dead, right? Mm-hmm. Had 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 that guy who played Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell. He had a TV show called where he was a sheriff, and I want to say it was kind of like steampunkish era as well. See, because I remember him randomly appearing in Xena and Hercules, um, but I didn't know he had his own Western TV show ish thing. Yes, it was insane. Uh, and it only lasted 27 episodes. Because <laughs> it's Bruce Campbell, that poor baby. Yeah, The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., the complete series. You can probably wow, that get... Was so- <laughs> that's something, you just taught me something new about Bruce Campbell and pop culture. Thank you, Matthew. That is, uh, you, that's, that makes me happy. Oh, man. Did he, he had another series in 2000 called, and I don't know, Jack of All Trades. And it looks like it's like um, Jack Styles, an American spy stationed on the South Pacific Island in the early 19th century, works against Napoleon colonizing efforts. What is what is Bruce, Bruce Campbell is just doing random shit, man? But he found Ash versus Evil Dead and has been doing great ever since then. Yeah, no, that's that shit is on fire, man. We're going down the rabbit hole of of our flops and surprises. Yeah, what, let's get, get to the surprise. Let's, so that's your, your alien. That's going to be surprised. What's God Particle? God Particle is the third film in the Cloverfield franchise. It's oh. going to be following 10 Cloverfield Lane. This one's set in space. It has Daniel, I think his name's Bruce. He was Baron Zemo in Civil War. It has Chris O'Dowd from the IT crowd and it has Zhang Ziyi from Crouching Tiger. They're basically all working in a space station. And this is supposed to be kind of the first events that started all of the Cloverfield movies. Because this has insane like viral marketing and a bunch of stuff you have to only find out online. So this has a lot to start tying together. And I'm really interested of what God Particle can do. Because no one expected 10 Cloverfield Lane to be one of the best movies of last year. Anything. So I think God Particle, even though it's been announced and has that like 
lack of hype that 10 Cloverfield Lane did, I think God Particle is going to do really well and surprise people. I'm excited. I love that universe. I think that's, I like, I like the fact that they're doing this kind of lost, like viral marketing thing to it and expanding the universe that Cloverfield established, but doing it on this like crafty digital way and low budget. And funny marketing. enough is they are connected to lost as well as odd as these movies are. They are. Yeah. Um, the Dharma initiative, which was one of the things in lost, um, it was kind of like the underground bunker thing. Uh-huh. Um, they were the ones who found the first DVD, the first video in the first Cloverfield movie. Cause if you look, their Dharma logo flashes in the beginning, trust me, dude, there's so much to these movies that I'm uh. like, if you start Googling Cloverfield, you're going to go down a rabbit hole of like, Oh, what's Slusho? A made-up drink that J.J. Abrams made that's like not even real. It's it's ridiculous of what they did. And I think God Particle could be the way of tying everything together and maybe start getting people to do all the viral research that they've built. That's crazy. Uh, my final surprise is Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets. And I think that is going to be a colorful masterpiece of French filmmaking so I think it's a French comic book as well yeah I think so and like Luke Benson is a, a French filmmaker yeah yes he is and he loves to put the pretty ladies all over his films he loves pretty ladies he loves great costume design he likes bright colors it's it's one of those things I'm like are you gay or just have a great taste in movies like just how he runs things it, it's so are you talking to me so... you talking to him Oh, him. Matt, I've already questioned some of your oddness of you liking Project Runway. But no, <laughs> that you watch with your wife, I will give you that. But oh. no, uh, yeah, I, I'm really excited for this movie. And I, I think that a lot could happen. And I'm a huge fan of Clive Owen. Like, I, I think he is a great actor. And I think he does a lot of good things. And Ethan Hawke is in this. And if he like, if he's the villain, like, he know Luke Benson, he knows how to, like, create good villains like he builds them up and gives them time to kind of like churn and ethan hawk could play a good rihanna's in it going back to him liking the pretty ladies like what is she gonna be oh, wearing? same thing with care um cara de is in it and she's gorgeous my man crush dane dehan who has a very feminine angelic face is gonna be in it so he does like his pretty women <laughs> I just saw Rutger Howard's going to be in it. I just said I loved him earlier. So I love seeing him come back for anything because he's crazy and keeps popping up in movies now. He's got to be like 105 by now. Did you see Hobo with a Shotgun that Rutger Howard was in? It came out a couple years ago. I did not because there was you, wasn't there like perfect. a po Pope with a Shotgun too? Like there was a couple other like because didn't like Machete and Hobo with a Shotgun have a sequel like. Well, yeah, well, they're like, they're kind of similar, but uh, that comes from the whole like Adam Wingard community of filmmakers who did like your next and everything like that. So it's definitely a weird one, but that's Rutger Hauer coming back being like 80 years old, making crazy movies. And I can't believe he's going to be in Valerian in a city of a thousand planets. What a mouthful of a title. I know. I, that's where I think there's a possibility of it kind of like not doing well because, you know, like. What was the Tom Cruise movie? Live, die, repeat. <laughs> Live free, die hard, and again. Nothing. I know, but something. like there was, it was the, it was the game. It was like the video game movie, but it wasn't a video game movie. Like it had a real name, but for some reason, if you look at any poster, it says "Live, Die, Repeat," and that's how like it even shows up on IMDb if you type in "Live, Die, Repeat: Edge of Tomorrow," Edge of Tomorrow, and so that had like oh, a weird. Yeah. 
it had a weird um, title and it just never gone through. Uh, hopefully, this one is is a mouthful. But you're like, city of a thousand planets. How does that work? It's a city of a thousand planets. So the I'm planets, just hoping this isn't Jupiter ascending. That's that's all I want is just don't go into Jupiter ascending level of ridiculousness. Yeah, but that was the Wachowski people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I I hate that they both transitioned because I'm like you are now the both the sisters. Damn it, Wachowskis! Like I'm I'm supportive, obviously, of anything you want to do, but you've made it very confusing. The Wachowski humans. <laughs> That's what they should put on their films. Like this is the Wachowski human joint. I would like that. Yeah. Oh man, I want to see. They need to make more films. I the guy. Oh, they're such great filmmakers, even if they're at the most ridiculousness. I, I as soon as I saw Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets, I was like. Is this the Wachowskis? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, no, Luke Benson, the same person. <laughs> like, same kind of filmmaker. Speed Racer is one of the most amazing films ever made. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's If you ever want to tell someone what acid is like, just watch that movie. Like, it's just a colorful, beautiful, mind-melding movie. I saw that at the IMAX at Navy Pier in Chicago with my buddy Tony. And nobody else went to the theater to go see the film. So we had like a private screening of that film and it was awesome. Sitting center at the giant IMAX as like colors just fucking ooze all over you. Like I know the film got bashed, but that film was so much fun and so colorful. And just the way they set you into the world right away, they like flipped a script in like your head to where you're like, oh, I'm going into a colorful world right now. They just kind of just did this whole like camera angle where you kind of just flew in and like, it went from our reality to their reality, and it was a really good transition to set up a film. And the Wachowskis just need to make more films because they are creative monsters. But I think that's our show. Yeah, we, we've covered so many films. We've covered way many rabbit hole pop culture discussions. This was this was good. Yeah. No, next week, Lego Batman and John Wick, too. We're going to kick some ass, man. EJ, have a good weekend. You, too. Hey, Matt, we survived another episode. Oh, no! Once again, there are several ways to continue the conversation after the show. Follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots. You can look at all our silly photos on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. You can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Sardo. My co-host EJ is also on Twitter at EJ Christ with a K. The biggest compliment we receive is when the subscriber number goes up on Blog Talk Radio. Our new home. Check it out. Subscribe. Follow. All that fun stuff you can do on Blog Talk Radio. You can even comment. Do something on there. Hit some buttons. Button mash on Blog Talk Radio. If you have a chance, we'd greatly appreciate a review of our show on iTunes. As always, the best way to listen to the show is on our website, monkeyspiderrobots.com. Okay, Lunchbox, let's try this again. There are so many people that made the 109th episode of Monkey Spider Robots a success. Special shout out to my co-host, EJ Marino, for putting up with me. It is a struggle, Matt. It is such a struggle sometimes. <laughs> Jeff Shea is the creator of our amazing intros and outros. Jessica Wynn that created the Monkey Spending Robots logo. Are you a monkey or are you a robot? The staff at Visual Realm built our website and keeps us up and running. To all my friends, family, and the interweb, thank you very much for your support. I'm Matt Sardo, and this is Monkey Spending Robots. Monkey 
huge savings on new and previously leased furnishings. That's right, huge savings. At Court Furniture Clearance Center, choose from our wide variety of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home or office. You'll find sofas from $199.99 and more. Everything in our 9,000 square foot showroom is Court certified, guaranteed, and in stock. Ready for delivery or to take home today. Visit our Chandelier Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Mention Radio 20 and get 20% off. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.